Remember when we told you about our listener survey in the last episode? Well, we'd still love your feedback. We'd be so grateful if you filled out the survey. It only takes two minutes, we promise. A link to our survey is on our website at ifebp.org slash podcast. And as if the unending gratitude of your favorite podcast hosts isn't enough, we've sweetened the pot. You'll be entered to win a $10 Amazon gift card just for filling out the survey. We'll choose a random winner each month. This month's winner is Bridget H. from Toledo. Congratulations, Bridget. Now let's get on to the show. In a world where employee benefits are constantly changing, only one team has the answers you seek. The Pod Squad. Pod Squad! And this winter, all your favorite characters return. Julie Stick. We're about to give you the fits. Benefits. Pod Squad! Kelly Colesrud. Your legislative confusion is about to be podcast into oblivion. Pod Squad! Justin Held. Evo is about to face an early retirement. <laughs> Pod Squad! And Ann Patterson. Questions? You think we have time for questions? Well, yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, for benefits-related questions, anyway. Explosions, lasers, etc. Pod Squad! From the people who brought you talking benefits comes the Pod Squad. Hitting podcast streams near you right now. Wow, that was action-packed. Yes, as you may have realized, this episode is going to deviate a bit from our usual format. Well, we all love movies, and since it's Oscar season, we thought it would be fun to explore how the world of benefits ties into the big screen. So we've combed through our top picks of the 2019 flicks, and we'll play a game of Six Degrees of Kevin Benefits for each. I didn't realize that six degrees of Kevin benefits was a thing. Is that something that we all agreed upon? I didn't know that happened. Well, I'm making it a oh. thing. I think it can okay. be a thing. Okay. <laughs> so our beloved co-host, Anne, won't be joining us for a few episodes because she had a baby. Mom and baby and dad, too, are all doing very well. Congrats, yes, Anne. congrats. But we miss you. Yes. And in Anne's absence, uh, we decided to pull in one of the Foundation's biggest movie buffs as a guest host, Associate Director of Educational Programs, Adam Abelson. Welcome, Adam. Hey, Adam. Hi, everyone. Hi, Thank you so much for having me. Mm. I've, been, I've been practicing for this for the last month by uh, talking to everyone I know in a calm, soothing yeah. NPR cool. podcast. Yeah, oh, so. it's working so far. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay, so let's dig in. How do employee benefits tie into our favorite films? Movie Guy, take it away. Oh, before Movie Guy does his thing, I suppose we should say there will be spoilers. So there's your fair warning. Okay, Movie Guy, do your thing. It's the long-awaited return to Downton Abbey. Fans have so many questions. What amazing one-liners will the Dowager Countess deliver? Will Lady Mary ever smile? Will Lady Edith ever actually experience joy or happiness? Plus, the King and Queen of England just decide to pop by for a spot of tea. Wait, what? Oh snap, somebody call Carson. Well, Downton Abbey, the movie, is my pick. 
I've been a huge fan of the Downton Abbey TV series since day one, and I was thrilled that they decided to bring new stories about the Crawley household to the big screen. In the movie, the big storyline is that the King and Queen of England are coming for a visit, and boy, all those preparations really throw the household into a bit of a tizzy. All the protocol that has to be followed, all that extra cleaning, poor housemaids. And the family's butler, Thomas Barrow, has only recently been promoted from footman to butler after the retirement of the long-tenured butler, Carson, whom we all love. We love Carson. So what are they supposed to do? Lady Mary suggests that they bring Carson out of retirement to save the day. Yeah, I remember that was pretty fun. And so, Kelly, what is the actual tie to benefits here? Well, this is a perfect example of a situation where a phased retirement program would have been helpful. Now, phased retirement, sometimes also known as a bridge job or flexible retirement, allows workers to have an interim step between working full-time and retirement full-time. And it can really be a win-win for employers and employees. One advantage would be that this approach can facilitate a smoother transfer of all that institutional knowledge gained by years of experience that an organization can lose when an employee retires. Also, a formal phased retirement program gives employers some cost control when retaining those long-tenured employees who might cost the company a little more. (laughs) For example, in our Downton Abbey situation, Carson would have stayed on for a few months, maybe working fewer hours, showing Thomas the ropes, and acting as a sort of almost consultant until Thomas was fully ready to take on the awesome responsibility of being the Crawley family's (laughs) butler. On the other side, though, phased retirement can be a plus for workers, too, because it allows them to save up more money for retirement and develop a plan for filling all that open time once they've retired. So how common is formal phased retirement programs? Well, that's the problem. It's not very common at all. The International Foundation's Employee Benefits Survey shows that only about 5% of employers offer a program like that, mostly because the laws and rules weren't really designed for that type of approach to retirement. So there are lots of things to consider if an employer is going to have a formal phased retirement program. They may have to make some changes to their policies to make that work. For example, if an employer offers a defined benefit pension plan, it may need to alter the benefits formula so it's not penalizing workers who decide to take that phased retirement. Another example is that the age and service policies for pension plans might have to bypass non-discrimination rules. Mm -hmm. So you have to think of that, too. Another example would be you may need to lower the hours of work requirement for health care benefits so that your phasing retirees can still be covered. And another option would be to offer a Medicare-eligible retiree health benefit for those who decide to waive other coverage. And then one other example is other types of benefits like life and disability insurance or even access to an EAP. You may have to work with your vendor and change the definition of who's eligible so that you can include those soon-to-be retirees. Mm -hmm. So obviously this gets a little complicated and, you know, always a good piece of advice is to find a reputable benefits attorney or consultant to help you set up a program like that. 
Well, the big question is, did Carson even have a defined benefit pension plan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, he got a nice house on the property that the Crawleys owned. And, you know, if you remember, he married the housekeeper. <laughs> so they got that nice house together. And she's still working. though. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I thought that was one of the major missing plot points was the lack of benefits explanation throughout the movie. So. Well, you know, that's that's something that's lacking from most movies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Why don't yeah. they do more of that? I think that's what we'll find throughout this episode. So. Yeah. Would you would you recommend this movie for, for people to look? Oh, I so love this movie. Yes, and they're making a sequel. They're Are making they? a sequel? Oh, yeah, yes, that. yes, and I, I own the, the Blu-ray already, of course. Ooh. Of course you do. Christmas present, it came out, you know, right before Christmas. So my nephew came through with a big hint from me that that's what I wanted for Christmas. Are they still in the 20s, or is it like... Are they? Uh, I hope the next one's in like 1970 or something like that. Like <laughs> well, just fast forward like 40 years. Anymore, yeah, they'll all no, just play no, different no, no, no. versions of younger <laughs> children. I don't think so. <laughs> Dame Maggie Smith could play Mary in the new version. Oh, oh no, okay. Like now that. that that's imaginative. I yeah. like that. Okay. <laughs> Bob Dylan is a musical icon. Martin Scorsese is a movie directing legend. Combine the two. Throw in some weird Halloween masks, and you get Rolling Thunder Review, a Bob Dylan story. Scorsese's documentary looks back at Dylan's 1975 groundbreaking tour in a fresh, new light. Plus, he may or may not have thrown in some completely fictional events. Yes, my favorite film of 2019 was the pseudo-documentary Rolling Thunder Review, a Bob Dylan story. Wait, wait, wait. What on earth is a pseudo-documentary? <laughs> Well, as the resident film buff expert here at the foundation, a pseudo-documentary is a film that was partially filmed in the past, and so during this actual tour that Bob Dylan did. Uh, but then Martin Scorsese took the concert footage mm-hmm. of that time period and then interspersed it with interviews from people today, as well as creating new characters for the film as well. So he actually inserted fictional people into the documentary film coverage from before. Okay. <laughs> but don't worry, the movie's still two hours and 20 minutes long. <laughs> so he's incapable of making a movie that's no. under, <laughs> under that time. Oh, yeah, that's typical score. <laughs> no matter what it's yeah. about. Okay. So thank you for that explanation, Adam. And sticking with the theme of this podcast, uh, the movie has a few benefits connections, although they are pretty tenuous connections. Okay, so it sounds like you're going to make some stretches. So what is your first benefits connection? The importance of sufficient transportation benefits. So a major plot point uh, in the film is the musical group touring the country in their RV, The Executive. The foundation conducted an extensive study on transportation benefits and incentives in 2017. And it found that organizations offer a number of benefits to offset parking costs, encourage the use of bicycles and mass transportation, and carpooling to work. I doubt any of those involves an RV named The Executive. (laughs) I like that it's called The Executive. It's very nice. Yeah. I wonder if they, you know, who gets to name the RVs. (laughs) Oh, so did the study go into the reasons for offering these benefits? Yeah, so organizations are offering these benefits to attract and retain talented workers, pretty standard uh, benefit lingo there. They do it as a response to worker requests and to take advantage of favorable tax treatment for transit and van pool benefits. So that might include RV benefits. I suppose it could (laughs) get a lot of people in there. Yes, yes. 
So my second connection, which again is a little bit of a reach, uh, is the importance of interdepartmental teams. Uh, and this is a theme that we see in our research uh, on workplace wellness initiatives. So in the film, Bob Dylan employs the diverse skill sets of uh, musicians outside of his typical style and circle. Uh, Patti Smith, Joni Mitchell, Ronnie Hawkins, Joan Baez, and even poet Allen Ginsberg are all part of his circle. The documentarian describes this experience in the film, and I quote, I think the most brilliant thing that Dylan did was putting a group of highly motivated and ambitious people together and then let them become the most extreme versions of themselves. You may be saying that uh, in my workplace, I don't want to bring out the most extreme versions of my employees. <laughs> your goals may differ, uh, but this practice could be beneficial in your operations. Uh, well, you want to tap their creativity. Absolutely. Right? So about 40% of U.S. organizations offer leadership opportunities outside of the job hierarchy structure via teams, committees, and or councils as a professional growth initiative at their organization. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. So is, does that do it? Or are there more benefit connections? I've got a couple more. Oh, wow. Okay. So my third benefits connection is fraud prevention, particularly covering plan participants that may or may not exist. Those ghost ones. Yes, uh, yes. Those made-up characters that Adam mentioned? Yes. Okay. Adam kind of introduced... pseudo-participants. <laughs> <laughs> pseudo-participants, pseudo according to Adam Abelson. So this film made some headlines by portraying itself as a documentary, as Adam had mentioned. But upon further review, the film's director, Stefan Van Dorp, the tour director, Jim Giannopoulos, and even U.S. Congressman Jack Tanner were completely fictional characters. The benefits moral of this theme... Take the necessary steps for benefit plan fraud prevention. Be aware of who is being covered in your plan. Maybe a dependent eligibility audit is in order. Oh, yeah, very or nice. To see whether the director is real or not. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yes, and uh, as Kelly mentioned, according to our most recent employee benefits survey, almost half of responding health plans conduct dependent eligibility audits. And finally, my fourth attempt at grasping at straws for benefits connections to my favorite film, mindfulness and meditation as a workplace wellness benefit. Throughout the film, Allen Ginsberg is seen leading meditation sessions to improve the mental health of the tour's participants. According to our most recent wellness study, almost a quarter of organizations offer meditation or mindfulness classes on site. And this is a substantial growth over previous years in the survey. And as we've covered before on this podcast, we offer mindfulness mm -hmm. sessions here at the foundation Absolutely. for employees. And they're very well attended. So is it Allen Ginsberg? Is he? Is it really Allen Ginsberg or is it a, someone playing Allen Ginsberg? It's really Allen Ginsberg. So it's really Allen Ginsberg leading mindfulness uh -huh. sessions. I think most oh, of and the characters really are happened. real. It's yeah. just there's a handful of them that are not real. Yeah. So no one plays someone else. So if it's a real person in real life, like Allen Ginsberg, he's, it's him. Correct. Uh, but the three people that I mentioned, the director, right. the tour manager, and this uh, U.S. congressman are played by actors. Okay. Interesting movie. <laughs> a little yeah. out there, but, yeah. you know, if you know Justin, maybe that fits. The International Foundation's Certificate Series comes to Austin, Texas this March. You can earn a certificate in benefit plan administration, strategic benefits management, or retirement plans from March 2nd through the 7th, 2020. Or you can take courses to work towards another certificate like a certificate in benefits and compensation, public sector administration, or health and welfare plans. For more details, go to ifebp.org slash certificate.
Nicole and Charlie are hopelessly in love. Or they were at one time. Now, not so much. Well, it turns out they're getting a divorce. From writer-director Noah Baumbach and Netflix comes Marriage Story, a movie about divorce. Watch as Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson navigate a quagmire of lawyers, paperwork, and custody agreements and come out the other side just a little worse for wear. So my selection for today is Marriage Story. And as you heard from the intro, even though it's called Marriage Story, it ironically is about divorce. And there's a few reasons why I really liked or I picked this film for for today. The first one is that I knew it was going to be nominated for a bunch of Oscars. It's nominated. It's up for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress in Laura Dern, who might actually be the only person who takes home an Oscar on on Oscar night. But it's a great movie. It's well-written and and pretty fascinating to, to watch. I really enjoyed it. That was the other reason I, I selected it, is mm-hmm. I thought it's a it's a good pick that anyone should watch just because it's kind of fascinating to look at American divorce today and, and kind of the process that some people go through. It's really well acted and it's terribly depressing. It's also can be very funny though too. There, was there a lot are of funny there is a, it's it's surprisingly funny at, and in for a serious mm-hmm. topic like this. I think the other reason I picked it is because when you asked me to link a movie to benefits, I didn't go through the hoops that like Justin just went through. I was just like, <laughs> oh, divorce. That's really it's really easy. <laughs> straightforward. It's like a really straightforward. It's like one step and then you're there. <laughs> but what I find interesting about divorce and and benefits is that when we're talking about divorce, it's not we don't first think of benefits as as an issue that comes up. We think of all the things that the characters in this movie are dealing with. We think of the child custody and, and how you balance children in when you have separate homes, potentially on different coasts like they do in, in this movie. We think about the lawyers and the legal aspects of it. We think about the emotional aspects of it and how difficult it is to kind of separate from a long-term relationship. And we don't really think about benefits, even though where we're getting our health coverage or where we're getting our retirement or how we separate our retirement benefits are, are just as equally as important. And so that's kind of what I found interesting about linking this movie to benefits. I have five minutes as opposed to like five hours, so it's it's uh, a, little, a little difficult to, to kind of shorten the the topic here. But I think you know, starting with with health benefits, one of the things that that happens is when people are on a family plan, but then they're no longer a family because they're divorced. What what do you do? And in benefits, a, a person who's separating from a family plan actually have a number of options for health coverage. So the characters in this movie are, are Nicole and Charlie. And so if Nicole was leaving a family plan, she could continue to be on the health plan that she was on before she was divorced through COBRA coverage. Uh, it would be expensive, but if she had the money and she liked the coverage she was getting, that would be a temporary option for her. The other option would be to move to her own employer's plan if she's employed and they offer a benefit plan, or she can move to the ACA exchange or the the public marketplace. Those would be options because a divorce is considered a qualifying event. So normally a health plan, you would have to actually enroll during an open enrollment period, but you know, divorces don't necessarily happen during the open enrollment period. So yeah, I mean, you you wish they would, but they, (laughs) they don't. And so the law has basically allowed for qualifying life events. And in those situations, an individual has their own eligibility period to, to go out and search for different plans and, and qualify for different plans in those cases. But it gets a little more complicated when there are kids and they need to be covered, right? Exactly, yeah. So in, in those cases, parents can, it's, it's also considered a qualifying life event, so they could take on their children as a dependent under their plan. Um, but sometimes if it's a really 
difficult divorce and one of the parents is being difficult, but they have access to health care, you could have something like a qualified medical child support order, which could be submitted to a plan and in those cases, and then they would be required to provide dependent coverage, but only if the plan covers the benefits that are being specified in the order. So they couldn't actually require something that wasn't in the plan already. So if they didn't have dependent coverage, they wouldn't be required to provide that. But if they do have dependent coverage and the order specifies what type of coverage the child would get, then it would be covered. You know, kind of moving to to retirement benefits, we're actually dealing with property, but the complicated aspect of it is that it's property that's managed in the future. And so in these particular cases, you're usually dealing with forms or orders that are called qualified domestic relations orders. Quadros. Yeah, QDROs, quadros. And that doesn't matter whether you have a defined contribution plan or defined benefit plan. That form is usually completed in both situations. So usually when you get a divorce, you have a divorce order that specifies that the spouses split their retirement funds 50-50. That's an example. It depends on the state and what your specific court order says. But if in this particular case, let's say Nicole had a 401k and Charlie got 50% of it, basically you would fill out this domestic relations order that says that Charlie would be eligible for 50% of her retirement benefits on the date of divorce. And then the benefit plan would then qualify that order and then create a separate account for Charlie. And for defined contribution plans, it's a little bit easier because you have an actual pot of money that you're dealing with. And so they divide that up and then Charlie would be able to invest his money Money however he wanted, or he might be able to roll it over into his own benefit plan. Whatever he felt like doing, he would be eligible to do. The same process applies for defined benefit plans or pension plans. The more complicated aspect of it is that you don't actually have a pot of money that you're usually dealing with. You have a vested benefit or an accrued benefit that just accrues over time. And so you wouldn't actually be able to ascertain. I mean, you could, but they usually don't pay for you to to get an estimate for how much you're going to get when someone retires. You just get basically a separate account that you can access once the participant hits their retirement age, whatever the, the terms of the plan are. So I think the things to keep in mind when we cover divorce and benefits is there are a lot of different administrative processes that take place. So people should ask before they do things. And sometimes they actually have things that are helpful to individuals who are who are getting divorced. Sometimes they have sample domestic relations orders that you can access that are pretty easy to fill out. So you don't have to spend more money on attorneys or, or anyone else to complete it. Also, you want to make sure that your beneficiary forms are updated because a lot of times people will get married, put their beneficiary as their spouse, get divorced, mm-hmm. and then die. And they then the person who they were, yeah, and then the person they're originally married to gets their death benefits as opposed to, you know, their fourth wife or something. So right. be aware. Well, and going back to fees, I mean, sometimes there are fees from the vendors that manage like the D.C., pension plan. And so you kind of have to be careful. I mean, the more you can do, I guess, on your own legitimately and safely, the less fees you might have to pay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And particularly with something like domestic, qualified domestic relations orders, the quadros are actually pretty formatted. There's the the order you already have in your divorce order, what you're going to get. So you don't necessarily, it's it's really just a, a, a binding document to allow 
the plan to separate the accounts. So it's not actually dictating anything that wasn't already previously decided by the couple. So if there's something that you can access from the plan that allows you to kind of go through this process more easily, you should do it. <laughs> well, especially if your uh, divorce attorney charges like, wasn't it yeah. $800 an hour? Wasn't that the Lord? Yeah, Durant's Laura character? Dern was very expensive. Or something like that. <laughs> but she was also very good. I mean, they all, they all were. <laughs> yeah, they were all good. Um, if she made good speeches. Too. She did. <laughs> she was very compelling. Um, <laughs> and if you're looking for more information on this topic, we do have a couple of resources for you. First and foremost, the Words on Benefit blog did uh, a series on this, a three-part series that you should access on our on our blog if you're interested. And that kind of covers a little bit more detail than, than what I've covered here. And then also, I'm involved in a lot of our face-to-face -face programs and the Trustees and Administrators Institute, which is held twice a year. This year, it's February 10th through the 12th in Orlando, Florida, and then June 29th through July 1st in San Francisco, California. We have a session on divorce and benefits okay. at that program, so you should come see me at that program. <laughs> <laughs> you will not be speaking at this. I will not be speaking at it, but made, I will be there in the back. And, and you all want to take advantage of the opportunity to meet Adam in person. Yes, and tell me that you, I tortured you on this, on this episode of the podcast. <laughs> and as you could probably tell from Adam's comments, he is very, very well versed in the law because he is a former attorney. Yeah, I'm a, re I'm a recovering ERISA attorney. So. <laughs> he can't help himself. I, yep. can't, I can't help with link <laughs> movies to benefits anyways. <laughs> it's the 1860s and America is at war. It's obviously the perfect backdrop for a coming-of-age tale. The March sisters are back in another big-screen adaptation of Louisa May Alcott's beloved novel, Little Women. This film has it all. Romance, suspense, and aliens from outer space. Okay, well, probably not space aliens unless the director took some serious liberties. See, all right, first you have to comment, movie guy said maybe there'd be space aliens in here. Mm. Normally that would really trip my trigger, but it, it's <laughs> Little Women, so maybe it's good there weren't space aliens. Yeah. Spoiler, no <laughs> space aliens. Okay, so I have to say up front that I am not going to be an impartial reviewer when it comes to Little Women because I love, 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 love this story, and I have since I was about eight years old. Now, I have seen most of the big and small screen versions, and the kitschiest one that I've seen, I have to say, was the 1978 TV version, which starred Susan Day of Partridge Family fame, <laughs> along with uh, the Brady Bunch's Jan, Eve Plum, and of all people, as Professor Bear, Star Trek's own Captain Kirk, William Shatner. So that was, you know, like a very unusual version, but I it was 1978, and I had to watch I it. I saw that one. Yeah. 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 Can you still rent that on, on DVD? I don't know, but we should VHS. try to find it. Just, it's just for funsies, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. anyway, yeah. I, I remember watching that. I know I've dated myself there, but I do that all the time. Anyway, my favorite version up to this point in time is the 1994 version with Winona Ryder as Joe, Susan Sarandon as Marmy, and Claire Danes plays Beth and has Christian Bale, who's just amazing 
anything and everything he does, he plays Laurie. So to be honest, I wasn't sure we necessarily needed another movie version after that one, which is like my favorite movie of all time. I was very intrigued to see that Greta Gerwig was taking it on. So, and I, I have to say it was a really good version. It was, um, there was a lot of really interesting things that she did there and great character development. And I will just say that for the first time ever, I liked Amy. Yes, and I, I loved the new version too. And yes. I'm going to get it as soon as it comes out. <laughs> okay, you can sit next to Downton Abbey on your shelf. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to now move past my fangirl tendencies and actually talk about this movie in the context of benefits. So one theme that is a constant that runs throughout every part of this story, no matter which version you're seeing, is financial uncertainty. The March family has fallen on hard times, and the father has enlisted in the Union Army. This is during the Civil War. He's serving as a chaplain. So while the family isn't starving, there is not any money for extras or even a doctor. They do get kindly help from their neighbor, Mr. Lawrence, and then they also get kind of begrudging help from Rich Aunt March. And since the story takes place in the 1860s, there aren't a lot of, quote, employment, unquote, relationships happening, at least not like those that we are used to today. Meg and Joe, who are the two oldest daughters, spend their time working either as a governess or as a companion, and then they bring money home to help the family. Uh, Joe also, in a dramatic moment, cuts off all her hair and sells that so her mom can go see her dad who's been wounded. And she also sells her short stories, and she does this also to bring extra money and to help the family. So here's the big question, Julie. How did you link this movie to Benefit? There is one. There's a little link. If you squint, it's kind of hard to see. But I made a leap because I wanted to cover this movie. So um, much of the family's financial uncertainty and emotional stress is due to the fact that the father is away serving in the Army. So what I want to talk about today is how employers can support their employees who serve as an active member of the armed services, a reservist, a veteran or a military spouse. Well, I think we all know there are some federal laws that protect veterans' benefits in the workplace. Should we start there? Sure. There's the Uniformed Services Employment and Reemployment Rights Act, which is also known as USERA. And this law guarantees certain employment rights to active and reserve military members, like initial employment, reemployment, retention, promotion, or any, quote, benefit, unquote, of employment. And Julie, what about USERA's provisions on benefits continuation? Health benefit coverage has to continue as usual or as COBRA, depending on the length of absence. Pension and retirement plan accruals need to continue too, and employees need to be given the opportunity to make up missed 401k plan contributions, and then those contributions need to be matched by the employer. What about compensation? Okay, so while under USERA, an employer does not need to pay any employees while they're away on military leave, some employers do do that. They can provide pay that's supplemental to the pay that's provided by the military. And some employers even will pay an employee's full salary while they're deployed. So does this uh, relate at all to FMLA? It does. The Family and Medical Leave Act does have some provisions specifically related to military service. 
service. For example, employees who are family members can take up to either 12 weeks or up to 26 weeks of FMLA leave, depending on the circumstances. So if we bring this back to the movie, for example, when father enlisted in the army, that would have been a point where if Marmy had a, a job in today's world, uh, she would have gotten up to 12 weeks of FMLA leave to figure out things and adjust. And then uh, in the story, the father, spoiler, is injured and so she goes to Washington, D.C. to help take care of him. And under that circumstance, she would have been eligible for up to 26 mm-hmm. weeks of FMLA leave. And just a reminder, FMLA leave is unpaid. So. It is unpaid. Yeah. Which is why Joe cut her hair. <laughs> uh, Julie, are there any other benefits that an employer could offer to help their workers who are veterans, active service members, or reservists? So some employers offer paid time off to an employee returning from military leave. And this gives them time to acclimate to being uh, home, being back with their family and friends to reconnect with them, get reacclimated. And also employers can provide their returning employees with a tailored kind of welcome back orientation that will reintroduce them to the company and will they can tell them then any changes that occurred while they were gone. Some employers have started on-site veteran support groups. And to help the whole family, employers can offer access to additional health, disability, and life insurance benefits. And certainly they can provide an EAP. And those are all great, but I think there are a few other things they could do too, right? Right, to help military families specifically. So for employers with employees who are military spouses, they can offer flexible work options, including part-time employment. Now, if a deployment means the family will travel too, an employer could let their employee work remotely or perhaps even transfer them to a different branch location that's closer to their new temporary home if one is available. And even if the family doesn't move, flexible work options might be appreciated if an employee has challenges with childcare arrangements or other obligations. And other options include establishing a support group or um, even providing housing support. And then, of course, their family member could be hurt in the line of duty, which would turn the employee into a temporary or permanent caregiver. There's a variety of things an employer can do if that happens. Flexible work hours and locations again, of course. And other options include providing backup emergency care and tuition assistance for the spouse who may need to update their skills in order to become the family's primary breadwinner if that's needed. Well, Justin, you haven't said much about Little Women in our discussions. Yeah, Justin, why haven't you seen this movie? What do you have against Little Women? Is it because it doesn't have Bob Dylan in it? Yes, that's my only... uh... (laughs) But your time is coming because your daughter should see this movie when she gets older. Absolutely. I think think we should read the book and then watch watch all the versions of the movie and rate them. (laughs) And you'll watch all of them later. Yes, more or less. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, guys, you're never going to invite me back here, so we might as well go out with a bang and uh, talk about hustlers. What do you get when you put down on their luck women and corrupt entitled men into a strip club? Hustlers is based on the true story of how Jenny from the block and her crew turned the tables on Wall Street's elite with the help of narcotics. Basically, it's Robin Hood with strippers. 
If you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic film. It's not nominated for any Oscars, but it absolutely should have been. J-Lo definitely should have been nominated. I think it's actually Best Picture quality. I've seen a lot of Best Pictures nominees before, and this movie I enjoyed much more than a large percentage of them. And honestly, Hustlers has it all. It is a female-driven story. It's not romantic, which is abnormal for a lot of Mm -hmm. of female-driven stories. It's about power, motherhood, being a mama bear which is different than being a mom because it's this this group of women that are really bonded together. It's also about friendships, betrayal, how how hard it is to pole dance, and <laughs> it's about the economy. You know, those so, are all valid things to know. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of parallels to this movie and life and this movie and benefits. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of point them out. So this, this film does center around dancers at a strip club. You've got J-Lo as the senior dancer, raking in the money and acting as this benevolent den mother to an up-and-comer, Destiny, played by Constance Wu. And then early in the film, we see Destiny learn of the club's compensation plan. Is it exempt? Is it non-exempt? <laughs> Are there incentive plans? Not really. It's pretty low. It's, it's pretty trashy. Um, basically, the setup is they get all the money, but then it, you know, physically thrown at them, and then they give most of that money to the managers, the DJs, and the barbacks, uh, all of whom get a cut mm-hmm. of the money that they make. Doesn't seem fair. So really. they it's do the, the pole dancing, and they can't keep all the money. Right, exactly. It is unfair. Yeah. So Ramona serves as Destiny's unofficial supervisor and trainer and provides this kind of on-site training of how to make more money, first and foremost. And then with a few pointers thrown in by Cardi B. It's not exactly an SOP, but it, it does actually get the job done. And so she starts actually doing much better at the club. And then the economy crashes. And so Ramona schemes for survival and settles on getting a group of, of women together to that are equally in a position of, of economic insecurity and just, you know, poverty. And th- their plan is essentially they target drunk rich men from Wall Street. They drug them for memory loss. And with this kind of, the drugs have this combination of memory loss and a sense of euphoria. And then basically they max out their credit cards. <laughs> it is Robin like Robin Hood, actually. Yeah, this is like Robin <laughs> Stealing Hood. from the rich. Yeah. So... You know, you may think, like, how does this relate to benefits? But really, there are a bunch of benefit ties here. One. I can't wait for this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Formularies. How much MDMA to ketamine is the right amount? That's, you know, a perpetual question. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, how do you mix your drugs together to get the right effect? Oh, what tier tier is MDMA? And how, yeah, how do you get access to begin with? Two, workplace flexibility. Ramona briefly tries to get a job in a retail store, but it falls apart because her manager refuses any sort of flexible scheduling in relation to her child and and care for her child. Can I say that I thought that workplace flexibility meant something else in this context? Yeah, it could. It it could, actually. (laughs) Uh, And in one way, she was very good in it, and in one, she was not allowed to be very good in it. (laughs) Also, non-compete clauses. Ramona actually regrets not employing these types of legal documents for uh, other, other strippers because essentially they start having copycats that are doing the same thing that they're doing. They stole but, her ideas. Yeah, but not as good. It's, mm-hmm. it's a oh. lot riskier. And then also emergency health coverage. When a formulary goes wrong, Destiny finds herself at a local ER with an unconscious client. And so she doesn't, as you can imagine, hang around to actually fill out paperwork. They just but at least they leave him, him there. 
It, they did help. take him there. Yeah, yeah. They, okay. they did. They want to make sure they still live, but oh, they, they dropped him good. off at the ER and <laughs> okay. then, uh, but did not fill out any of the paperwork. So we don't know what happened to that gentleman oh, after oh dear, that point. Okay. So the scheme, of course, it, it falls apart. In addition to the women turning on each other as situations get uglier, a few of the cards they were maxing out happened to be company cards. So a few good accountants noticed some unusual unsubstantiated charges. And so the rest is history. Eventually they got caught. The story is actually based on a real story. There was a reporter that went out and actually talked to these these real women who were convicted of different crimes than this or various lower crimes to this. And it's an interesting article to read and it's interesting to see how they, they portrayed it on screen. So, it, you know, maybe the ties to benefits is a little, you know, it's a little drawn out, but it's a great movie if you haven't had a chance to see it. And other Oscar films you should see if you haven't. Parasite is fantastic. You should absolutely see that. Um, I didn't particularly enjoy Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but a lot of people do. It so maybe you should go. It was it was, it was interesting. interesting. Yeah. It's it's not bad, but it wasn't my favorite. Oh, Ford versus Ferrari. I have not seen that yet. Oh, I, I like that, that one. Movie. I saw that. Loved loved loved. Did that you see movie. that, Justin? No, oh, no. So cool. I loved that. Wait, is that music being played? I, I think we're being played off. Well, yeah, the, the producers are telling us to wrap it up. So I guess we should say our thank yous and get off the stage. Thank you again for all listening. We could not do it without you, the listeners. You like us. You really like us. Oh, boy. <laughs> we also wanted to thank our guest, Adam Abelson, expert in movies and benefits law. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching, everyone. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. And subscribe to the show in your podcast app so that our episodes will automatically appear on your mobile device. Talking Benefits is a production of the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, the largest educational association for those working in the benefits industry. If you're into benefits, check out all that the International Foundation has to offer at ifebp.org. Our show is hosted by Julie Stick, Kelly Colesrud, Ann Patterson, and me, Justin Held. Produced by Rose Pleva and Stacey Van Alstein, and edited by Amanda Gilsmer. Today's program is copyrighted in 2020 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. All rights reserved. The opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and not to be used as legal counsel. What did I say? It's my line. It's you your stole line. my I know, line. I, did. I stole your line. Did you black it out of your memory? <laughs> yeah. So redo that. Cut this out, Keep Amanda. This. She's oh. used to doing that a lot for yeah, us. Believe me. She's very patient. Don't put that part in. <laughs> Okay, you're going to have to cut this, but I just have to add. I'm sorry. Cutting <laughs> cutting that. <laughs> cut that. Why don't we thank Adam? Right. Yep. Yeah, yes. you should. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Could we do it in time? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you need? <laughs> For this to stop, yes. <laughs> yeah. This is where it goes off the rails.